I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today we have a special guest via Zoom, Blake Hammerton, the owner of The Sharp Gentleman. Blake, say hello. Hello, everybody. And it is truly an honor to have time and space with Blake. So you won't be able to see it right now over the airwaves, but Blake is dressed in a at least a sharp tie, a vest, a very well-fitted shirt. Blake and I met through the days and times, of course, on social media, like so many of us, but we met while I also had a custom clothing company. When I actually I was working for another company at that point and saw I was friending any man possible on social media because I knew the more men I could come across, the higher possibility I would have for customers. So when I saw Blake that was dressed well, that had the sharp gentleman, we became what Facebook friends, I think, to start with. And then eventually yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Don't all- cheapen it. Don't cheapen it like you were just out looking for men. Um, well, that, that's not a terrible, but we really <laughs> had something. <laughs> uh, of course. We, we, ha- we had a unique kindred bond, if you will. And so I have stepped out of that industry, as I've shared on multiple episodes, based off non-competes and just energetically not wanting to go down that path. But Blake is not. And Blake is, like I said, dressed to the nines. Blake is just outside of Dallas, Texas right now in his, it looks like, home office, if that's a, a fair presumption. And we're going to you know, bounce around. So, Blake, tell us a little bit about what you do, the, the Sharp Gentleman, your podcast. Run with the mic. It's yours. All right. So, uh, yes, I am uh, I've got the Sharp Gentleman, and it is a company that's based on helping men earn, earn more respect by being more respectable. And it begins with fashion so that you look your best, and then that helps you feel your best. And when you feel your best, you do your best. But it's really based on stepping into the world differently so you can become the man you're born to be. And a lot of that stems from the communication you use, the words you use, the self-talk you have, the ideas you have, uh, the possibilities you believe are available to you. And so sometimes we can take a guy and put him in a really nice fitting suit or a shirt or anything, just make him look really good, but he's still a Debbie Downer or he's still a jerk. There's a lot of room to grow. So when we approach it from, great, now that you look awesome, what's next? How do we take you to the place you want to be where you can accomplish more and be more and do more and have more? And so the Sharp Gentleman was born after I put my first client in a, in a custom fit jacket. And I have a background of coaching and psychology and hypnotherapy. And I just tried to launch a, a practice here in Dallas when I moved here five years ago. And nobody cared because it's too vague and arbitrary. Mm-hmm. The coaching doesn't mean anything yet. So when I put the guy in the jacket, he looked at himself in the mirror differently. And you watch that, that visceral change happen where he saw, holy crap. This, this is a different me. This is the man I was supposed to be. And so instinctively, I started asking the questions, you know, John, what are you capable of now? What is that guy capable of right now in the mirror that you couldn't do 10 minutes ago? What, what's possible for him? And then we started asking coaching questions and I thought, this is it. This is the sharp gentleman. I can, I can build this. And so I started that and I launched a podcast helping guys listen for 25 minutes, hopefully introduce an idea or two that really gets you thinking and uh, see if we can help you be more, do more, and have more by, uh, well, maybe even tomorrow. Man, that's so crazy. So you literally, I mean, this is genius. Like I'm generally like truly excited. Now you're showing people the path of possibility by changing their outward appearance and something that you know is going to fit them incredibly. Like for those of you that haven't had a custom suit made before, even a custom shirt, it fits you so differently than anything you're ever going to find off the rack. Like this is not a sale. I don't own a company anymore. And of course go, go shop with Blake. Like I want him to have all the business he can get, but it fits differently. You feel differently. And Blake's really nailing it so articulately on the head. It's when you look in the mirror and you're like, man, my sleeves don't come down to my thumbs anymore. And the shoulders actually give me a little curvature and you, 
yeah, you can see the shape of my body. Like you, you're giving them this path. What a tremendous value proposition. Like it's, that's, it's that's amazing. Brilliant. It's amazing because what, what we really find is that, you know, guys are used to a certain thing. They sort of get used to settling. And that's why a lot of guys nowadays go, oh, I don't really care about fashion. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, yeah, you do. Because if you ever go to a wedding and there's another man there in a much better suit, looking just more put together, and maybe he's a little older than you. Maybe he's, got a, he's not quite as shapely. Maybe he's bigger or smaller, not as well built as you are, but he still looks better. It's going to bother you. And if you could walk in somewhere, no matter what your body shape is, and you look like a perfectly tailored Bond villain, well, then I've done my job right. You feel like a baller in just a custom shirt because now the collar fits the way it should. Your armholes are higher. The waist is trimmed. And I can make you lose 10 pounds by reducing the fabric around you and nothing else. We can still yes. go have a burrito and still look better. I can yeah. fix that. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's like, that's like I'm just... I'm almost in awe and frustrated that I didn't think of something comparable. <laughs> I wasn't advanced enough to, to, to think that way at that time period. So I commend you for that. But I would be doing you a disservice to say that all you do is make men look better and feel better because you have ancillary products and services that are so vastly above, to me, what other people offer in the marketplace. Between I know you shared with me ties and lapel you know, buttons. And what are some of those services that, you know, ancillary benefits that you can offer anybody? So one of the things that I really, really enjoy is while uh, my main supplier is Jay Hilburn and I use them to create the suits and the, the, just the staples, I guess. The base layer and socks, I partnered with a company called Dead Soxy and we're changing the game as far as dress socks go because now these socks, will, they won't slide down and they won't slip off in our no-shows and they're guaranteed. So if they do slide down or slip off, they're free and we'll talk about that later. But I like the extra stuff because if you work in business corporate where it's not business casual and business casual is terrible because everybody shows up in the same polo shirt and khakis mm-hmm. and what, what a travesty that is, but that's a different story. But if you are in a group where everyone wears a suit, well, instead of being another one in the sea of suits, why don't you add a pocket square? Why don't you just add a little bit different look? Why don't we change instead of a navy suit? Let's go to a medium blue. Or if everyone's wearing black, let's go off color. Let's Let's play with different socks. Let's play with different lapel pins and things. So you can stand out in the crowd in such a subtle way that suddenly elevates you. And we're always afraid to venture outside the box or color outside the lines. And my question is, why? Why, at the end of the day, you're the one who felt the best. You're the one who, maybe because you felt the best, had the best day or closed the biggest deal or made the most connections to people that you needed to connect to because you operated from a place where you felt like you were in charge. We're like, I look good. I feel good. I'm a baller. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy lunch for everybody. And then you just went out and did it? That's yeah. much better than there's Greg in his same black suit that he's had since he was 19 that doesn't fit him really well. And that tie that is way too long, mm-hmm. you just feel bad for Greg. Well, let's put Greg on a fashion or, or a, a fabric diet and get him a really nice pocket square and something that fits really well and ditch the tie. Greg, he's going to look like a, like a big big time player when he walks in the next day and he's well put together. So the sharp gentleman is about making sure that you live in your best life and you know how to speak that way. You know, you not only look good, you know how to communicate effectively and, and really be in charge, take ownership of the things that you're good at and the ownership of the things that you're not and just operate from a place of integrity. Yeah. I love it. And it sounds like you're covering some of the things that we discuss on the show with, you know, shame and guilt. I, I lump them together and call them shilt where we, yeah. we as society have these social confines that have been passed down from generation to generation based off your family history or your environmental, 
you know, nuances. And anytime you step outside of that or push against that box, it becomes very uncomfortable. And if you don't know how to process some of these negative emotions that happen in that moment, you're left feeling the shame and guilt of, man, I shouldn't really do that because my parents told me don't, or nobody else in the office dresses this way, or I'm going to be judged or viewed to be something different, where it sounds like what you're doing is empowering men to realize there's actually power and prosperity in their differences. Like when you're put together the right way, there's a whole nother opportunity just on the other side of that. Yeah. So if you look at the spectrum, you have the guys who care too much and then they look like robots and they wonder why they're getting exactly the same as everyone else. Even when everyone else is suffering, so are they. And they wonder why. And then you have the opposite side of the spectrum and you have Kanye West who just straight up doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. He's going to wear whatever he wants because he's looking for the publicity. Well, you want to find that happy medium. And oddly enough, when guys hit about 50s or so, they just stop caring. And they're like, no, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to wear what I want. Even if it's flashy, I don't care because you don't, you don't decide for me. You don't pay my bills. Your opinion doesn't matter. And that's when a lot of guys are hitting their 50s and they're just starting businesses and they're taking huge risks and they're conquering because they're no longer tethered to this idea that, well, no one else is doing it this way. And my mom said I should do it that way. And all my friends said this. These guys are like, screw it. I'm going to go out and do it because what do I have to lose? I'm already, I just forget it. Let's go do it. And so we teach guys that you can be all you want to be. And that's, that's plagiarizing the army. So I apologize for that. Or is that the Navy? One of the two. But so the thing is, you can step into your best version of you and realize that the opinions of others don't pay your bills. They don't make you any better. They don't make you any, any money. They don't make you anything more than you are right now. They, they hold you back. So how do we stop shilting on everyone and stop accepting the shilt from everyone else? Well, we got to get self-aware. And so that's, that's the key. It's just waking up. Yeah, man. It's- so impactful and so powerful. Like I, I could talk custom clothing with you all day, but admittedly, understanding that you have that psychology, psychiatry, coaching background, that just seems, for whatever reason, as the energy I put it in the world, so many of my guests have some sort of tie to that part of life, to energetically get, find giving value to the marketplace to be above all else. I, I think that coaching as an industry is a very difficult and selfless career path. Like it's you're carrying around the weight. You know, if I'm sharing with you all the negative things that I think about myself, sure, you have the tools to help me process through that. But a little piece of that to me comes along with you because I'm bearing my soul. Like you have to carry that around until you get rid of it yourself. So it's a heavy, a heavy thing that you do. So explain that process to me. Like let's say I wanted to, Blake, I love this conversation. How do I work with you? Like I'm, I obviously I live in Columbus, Ohio. I necessarily can't come down and get a custom suit made to start the process. What other ways do we offer ways to work with you? Well, so if we're, if we're looking for clothing, it's really easy to do measurements over Skype or Zoom or just video. You'll just need someone else to help you with the measurements, and I can be on video to help you do that. Everything else is online. Um, as far as coaching and, and helping you get through things, yeah, we're just going to have some phone calls. Uh, I've got clients in Seattle. I've got clients in uh, the Twin Cities in, in uh, Minneapolis. Um, so I've got clients all over the place, but one of the things that we really focus on, again, it is I have to carry that weight because I, 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 as the coach, I'm an opportunist and also an optimist. I'm going to feel like you are so much more than you know right now and I can see what's available to you. And so as we talk, I can't, I can't guide you. I can't fix it for you. I have to try to pull things out of you until you start saying the answers. And one of the things that I've noticed is that I, I like working with people that realize and viscerally, like they know it in their body. I should have been more, had more and done more by now. And I'm tired of it and I got to make a change. And it's that moment when they go, I got to do something. 
those are the ones that can can really do incredible stuff. It's the ones that go, yeah, I mean, it should have been better by now, but whatever, I'll figure it out. Well, that's not going to help because I'll, I'll try to help them, but then I do more than they do. Mm-hmm. So they got to have more skin in the game. Yeah, absolutely. When it, I love the way that you phrase that. So I have a, a, a get another maybe coy term that as a coach, you are responsible for showing somebody kind of the darkness of their soul, but handing them the flashlight so they can see it themselves. Like they have to tackle that themselves and then lead themselves out. You're just the one that hands them the tool or the flashlight to get there. You know, that whole, we'll talk tugboat, lighthouse, all the different things that go out in that marketplace, a lot of different ways to phrase that. But at the end of the day, you are massively impactful creating shifts in people's lives just so they can see the possibility of prosperity. Yeah. And change for the better. And you're, you're, you're killing it with the fact that it sounds like if, if you don't inherently believe it yourself, it's never really going to happen. Yes. And so one of the things that I like to do is it's really, it's a, such a simple trick is whenever you're, you're going through something and it, it feels great or it feels terrible or it feels just something about it is it resonates with you. You can identify it, name it, name it. So if it's anger, you really get into it, feel it and yell and just be be angry, as angry as you possibly can, and then name it and make it an alternate personality. And it sounds really silly, but it's called, well, I call it voluntarily, voluntary schizophrenia. Because what's so cool about it is that once you realize that the best you is you, so the best version of Blake is Blake. But when Blake is uh, ornery and he's calculating and he's hungry and he's all these other things, well, then Blake is Clark. Clark is the personality I've decided is the one who's going to snap at you because he hasn't had a sandwich in too long. And now you're asking him to do things and he's just, yeah. So I've got all these personalities I've identified and it's fun, but it helps me to realize that's not my best self. That's not the guy I wanted to be. I want to be Blake. A minute ago I was Clark. So let's just, let's knock that off. And what's cool is that once you start talking to your friends about that, my wife can call me out and go, Hey, uh, that was Clark. Um, I'm going to make you a sandwich. And I'm like, Oh, touche. All right. All right. I get that. But yeah, identify it, name it. Once you name it, you take its power away. It becomes something you can wrestle with. If it's this unknown shadowy figure or darkness or just an ominous presence in your life, you can't grip it. You can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. If you name it, well, now you can wrestle with it. Now it's a, it's, it becomes an opponent. And yeah. now we have something we can do. Man, if, if you are listening right now and you take nothing away, if you just press stop right now and you leave and just say, to hell with the rest of the interview, that is worth the price of admission right now. Like that's something I'm going to try. Like I think I'm fairly advanced in my thought process and I've been through a lot in coaching and paid for more coaching. I think than most people probably ever desire to like, I'm in the six figures <laughs> now of, of spending money to, to get outside input, but I've never heard that before. Like that is a, an incredibly impactful and beneficial ideology to follow. And that's the thing. And so what I like to do is the last thing that I like to always give to people is um, the difference between luggage and baggage. And this is huge. So if you are listening, sit down, stop driving, pull over, pay attention, take some notes. The difference between luggage and baggage is really simple and it's going to impact the way that you approach things in your life. And it will help you look back on the things that you've learned to get you to this point and figure out what you need to keep, what you need to leave. So when I was very little, we were, my sister and I were supposed to go to Disney World with my parents. So my sister was probably eight and I was 10. And so we're all slated to go to Disney World. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. I've never been. And so then she, so I start packing up and then she breaks her leg. And it's one of those fractures that goes all the way up. So she's in a cast from her ankle to her, her hips. So we're not going to Disney World. So that's out. So I'm angry. 
She heals up and we book the trip again. And this time I forbid her to get anywhere near any trees because we're going to go this time. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited that I run around and I start packing. So I grab, I'm, I'm 10 and mm-hmm. this is 1992. And so I'm grabbing my Walkman and my cassette tapes and my, if you don't know what that is, you should Google cassette tapes. So I'm just grabbing all the things I can. I'm grabbing my Care Bears. I'm grabbing my clothes. I'm grabbing toys. I'm grabbing Legos. I'm grabbing all the suitcases in the house, big, small, and in between. And so now I'm all good. And because I'm a little OCD, my mom walks down the hallway of the house, looks in, sees I have all my bags packed, big to small, in order of size, but they're full and there's got to be seven bags there. And she goes... Um, what is this? And I go, oh, I'm ready for the trip. We're not leaving for like six months, by the way, but I am so excited. Yeah. So I've packed up all this stuff and she goes, all right, that's, that's a lot. Um, and my dad walks by. My dad was uh, a very dry, more business focused British man. So he, he didn't have the kindest things to say. It was more of a waste of time. And so my mother being awesome as she is, was like, all right, let's just, let's just dial it back. So how about how about we just go through these bags and see if there's some things we don't need. So we open up all the bags and we're, we're taking out clothes and she goes, let's go day by day. This is for this day and that day. So we put together all my clothes Then we put together just a couple of toys and she helped me see that, well, Mickey's not going to be really concerned with a 10 year old who has all this other Lego stuff. He's here to entertain you while you're there. So you don't need to bring all that. So we started just really paring down all this stuff until I had one case that was my size that had just the things that I needed. And I was so excited about that, that I paraded around the house with it. For like six months, I had my, this one bag, this little hard case, little small one, and it had like a Mickey Mouse sticker on it. And I'm just parading around the house, and I'm so excited to tell the guests and the neighbors and anyone who wants to listen, check out my luggage. I'm going to go see Mickey. Look what I packed. And it's just this little thing that's my size. And what I, what I understood as I, I look back now is that's the difference between baggage and luggage. When you meet someone and they've got a lot, of baggage. They're carrying around all these things that don't serve them. All these things are not going to need. All these things they packed up in a rush or they held down to that don't even belong to them. Belief systems and arguments and shame and guilt and, and business that's not even theirs. They tried to grow a tree and the tree didn't grow. Well, that's not your business. That's God's business or nature or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not yours to carry, but you will carry that, that now you have a green thumb and that affects all the other plants you'll ever have. So all the stuff you're carrying and with luggage, well, it's, it's exactly what you need and it's exciting and it's going to take you somewhere and it's only the stuff that you need and you love and you want. So you're excited to show people that. And the best example of that is you go to a party and, or you, you're with your friends and uh, Jane walks in and everyone goes, oh crap, here comes Jane. Why? Because Jane's got a lot of baggage. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, here comes Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer's coming. Why are they so excited? Because Jennifer's got great luggage. She's got great stories. She's got stuff she can pull out. She's carrying just what she needs. She's not bogged down or drained by all the other things she's been carrying around her whole life. She's light on her feet. She has, she has an idea of what's available to her because she's no longer looking at all the stuff she has to take. So when you look at your life and you go forward, understand that you don't have to take the baggage with you. Sit down, go through all the belief systems you have, the stuff that you believe about yourself, what you're capable of, where it came from, how it's serving you. And if it's not, well, let it go. It doesn't belong to you today and it doesn't belong to you tomorrow. And you don't deserve to carry that with you. So repack. And then when you have luggage and you're excited about it, go share that with the world and watch how it changes for you. The world will totally turn around and invite you in and ask questions about your luggage and your journey. And it will, it will totally change your life. 
yeah, I love the story. I love the frame you've set up. I love, you know, I, I often tell people in the marketing world, it's what, why lesson you learned and then how you apply it. And you literally, not that it's the first time you've probably ever heard that or the first time you've told that story, but you just nailed every part of that out of the park. Like it is, I, I'm, I'm incredibly appreciative that you shared that with us. And Really, I mean, I love you listeners, but to hell with you, I'm, I'm appreciative that you shared it with me. Like, that's just yeah. a great way to set that up. So well, you are you. very welcome. I, I sincerely appreciate it. But touching base on something that you shared in that story, so you have an English descent father. I do. It's, it sounds like. So is that where, you know, is, does he come from the bespoke tailoring world? I mean, did he see, obviously, the, the English fashion, I can't say is different per se, but it's a way of life over there, it feels like, versus here, not quite so much. So the way that it worked is that we grew up, uh, so he was a little bit more of a boss than a dad. So we were, my sister and I were both uh, able to set full French settings at a very young age. We understood how to behave around uh, large groups of people, uh, people that were of a much more elevated status than just your neighbor who drinks Bud Light. I mean, we could get along with everyone. We, we really learned how to socialize and be proper enough um, while still being American um, mm-hmm. at a very early age. So We've all, he's always been a little bit dapper. And then as he got older, it was fun to watch his fashion descend into old man madness where <laughs> what once was proper is now, uh, instead of being like a Navy sweater and khakis, it's a khaki colored sweater tucked into a pair of Navy pants without a belt. And it's just one day he became an old man and you thought, what are you doing? But right. yeah, we, uh, we grew up just feeling a little bit, uh, I guess like we should dress up for things. Mm-hmm. And so moving that into the business world after college, I just looked around and I fell into the trap of, you know, khakis and a, and a polo shirt. And then one day I wore cargo pants and a polo shirt that was red. And, and some guy in the bathroom said, do you work for Target? And I thought, oh, we have to fix this. And so from that day forward, I just started wearing suits and vests and ties. And I just never stopped. And it turned into me earning a lot more and becoming a lot more and having a lot more opportunity because I approached the way I felt and the way I put myself together in the morning in order to not only reflect some of the values that I learned as a kid, but to reflect some of the things I'm capable of. And now you can physically see it by looking at me. Yes, absolutely. And of course, I very slovenly am in right now a black t-shirt and a pair of gray cargo shorts that I wear as my, my work apparel on most days. But coming from the world that you so eloquently are stating, there is so much power and to me, even production in putting together this outfit. Again, you as a listener, if you've never went through the custom suit experience, of course, I recommend Blake, take a look at Jay Hilburn. I mean, their name stands for itself. Like it stands on its own two feet, let alone, you know, the, the quality of service that Blake would offer. But save up and invest in that one. To me, I, I won't rain on your parade, but I was a big advocate of getting a solid navy blue handmade suit for your first suit. A white and blue shirt, you know, one maybe French cuff to step out a little bit if you weren't sure, one, you know, barrel cuff. And something that, you know, you invest in this because that's a what I would call Marion to Berrien suit. You can go to weddings, you can go to funerals, you can go at everything in between. You do brown shoes and black shoes and loafers and like it, it becomes the most versatile piece of wardrobe in your closet. And sure, without knowing Jay Hilborn's price structure, I'll just say for me at my firm, without putting you on the spot, you know, that could have been anywhere between an eighteen hundred and twenty five hundred dollar suit, depending on the quality of fabric and some things you want to go with and there were less expensive endeavors that I offered as well, but there's so much for me gratitude every time that I still put on suits in my closet, like from being in the industry, I'm sure like you, Blake, I probably have 40 or 50 custom suits that now I don't have a ton of daily use for, 
but it feels good to even just throw on a jacket and a pair of now I get my jeans tailored. Like it, it shifted my perception on what was appropriate. Like if you don't have the money for a custom suit, go to Target or Walmart and buy your jeans. I'm fine with that. But then go spend an extra 45 or 50 bucks and have them altered so they fit you the right way. Like, oh, man. That it's is such a game changer. A huge difference. Even just jeans, so they're not falling on a pool over your shoes. Like, it's the small details. Like, details matter, right? Oh I mean, my goodness, yes. And so the the fit is the most important thing. And so I love that you said get them a navy suit. That is absolutely paramount. Too many guys think they need to have a black suit for your first suit. If you have to go black, then we're going to go charcoal because I'm not going to let you buy a black suit unless you're getting a tux or you're going to a wedding. Yep. Oh, no. Navy. Navy all the way. It's so versatile. I have guys who have this four or five different sets of the same Navy. They have mm-hmm. jackets just all over the place just in case they need to put on a sport coat. But one of the things I love the takeaway here is that you know, tailoring your jeans and, and changing some things around, it makes such a huge difference is that even if you go and buy a $70 suit at JCPenney and it, you just all you can afford, even the slim fits fit okay, but then take them to a tailor, take the trousers to a tailor and have them just adjust the seat, tailor the legs, get rid of some of the pooling, really hem them up. One of the things that makes guys stand out is when they're, they're on a fabric diet, two guys with the exact same body style, same weight, same height, same build, same fat, everything. One walks in in a Joseph, uh, I won't name that company, in, a, in another company <laughs> suit, untailored, and one walks in in a JCPenney suit, but it's been tailored to, to fit really well. The guy in the $80 JCPenney suit is going to look like a Bond villain who is ready to to make some things happen and perhaps kill some people in the back. And the guy in the other suit's going to look like he picked it up off the rack, he put it out in the car, and he's hoping for the best. And you never want to be the other guy. You don't want to be that guy. No, and, and it, it, this will be a, almost, I'll say, episode two for you and I as we get into the fashion side of things, the way that I view things, which sounds similar to you. If you only have the money for that JCPenney suit, Blake's 100% for, right from where I sit. Go spend the money on that. Spend, be prepared to spend a little bit more money to get tailored. But then it's the small things like Blake brought up. Okay, so you, you're, you're hell-bent on a black suit for whatever your reason. Great. Go buy the black suit, but don't buy solid black socks. Like, spend a little bit of time step, just a little bit. Out. I don't care if you do black with red accents because it's way outside your comfort zone. But you do that red accent. You tie in maybe a slightly red pocket square or some red in your tie. And all of a sudden... You've went from, you know, the guy that's at the wedding to the guy that seems like he's supposed to run the wedding. Like it, right. it's, a, it's a truly different feel where you don't have to have, again, I know I said a $2,000 suit. That's not everybody's budget or something you might not aspire to. But if you have $300, you can get a well-made a, a suit that fits your body the right way, some accessories, and look like a million bucks. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes people, when they invest in a really good suit, we're talking the 2000 5000 et cetera. These are investment pieces. These are guys whose body styles aren't really going to change. Uh, and they buy them because they're ready. And then you have the guys who want to have a $300 suit. It's great. It has a different lifespan. So if you need a $300 suit to look just epic for the next 18 months, two years, yeah, great. Let's do that. If you need it to last you till your daughter gets married and you just had your daughter, well, then we need, we need to look at some different fabrics and construction. But, you know, there's always an available option for you, no matter what your budget and your style, you just have to talk to somebody. But the overarching theme is the fit is absolutely the most important. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, 
you know, as we tie it into, to me, shoes and making sure they're polished, like the devil is always in the details, but so is the glory. Like to me, you spend that little bit of extra time and extra money or extra energy. Like it really only takes now with, I hate to even say this out loud, especially to a man like yourself, but if you had to stop by your local convenience store and grab one of those quick polishes that you can rub on that's the same color as any shoe that you have, and you rub it on and you at least take an old sock or an old rag and wipe it off so your shoes have a uniform color to them, you'll look around, you'll start being aware of all the other people in that environment that didn't take that extra time. And if you're that aware, so is everybody else. Yes. Like, it, it doesn't, you don't become conscious of it until you're in the moment where you're like, wow, that guy's suit doesn't fit right. Like, mine fits right, but his doesn't look the same. Or why are his shoes all scuffed on the toes and the heels are, are whitened? Well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those individuals, but I always I say it over and over again. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And when you start paying attention to those small details, that'll trickle into the other aspects of your life where you'll typically stop showing up late. You'll take better care of the things that you have. Like it's this trickle-down domino effect that can start literally with how you shine your shoes. Yep, and it all it turns into this once you realize, once you become self-aware of it and you start making some better changes, it turns into this idea of what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be known as? And they start, you start changing the way that you do things. You show up early or you say things differently or you're more supportive or you're always so well put together. You always look so great and it becomes this thing. This is what you're known for and this is how people just know we're talking about you in the community because of such and such adjectives. And, and the last thing is you start understanding legacy different. When you hear legacy, you think legacy is what you leave when you die. Sometimes it's monetary, depending on the industry you're talking to. But it really is so much simpler and so much bigger than that. Because legacy is not what you leave when you die. Legacy is what you leave when you leave a conversation, when you leave a room, when you leave someone with anything. You're leaving them with a gift. You get to decide. This is the luggage or baggage. Are you leaving, with, leaving them with a piece of your luggage? And they get to tell stories and remember you and they have a way to reference back to it and they're excited? Or are you leaving them with a piece of your baggage and now they're never going to call you again? So understand that legacy is bigger. And when you start addressing the way that you, you dress and the way that you communicate and the way that your shoes look and how everything's all put together, you start understanding, this is what I want to be known for. This is the man I was born to be. Well, now you understand legacy and you start operating from that powered place and it changes everything. Your trajectory becomes something otherworldly. Absolutely. Man, like I could, I could continue this conversation. Like I, I said, I might as well when we when we get off the mic on live, however we want to say this on the recorded episode, I'm 100% going to book you for episode two right away. Like it just, this just makes so much sense. And I truly enjoy this, but I'd be remiss if we don't revisit the sock side of things. So you, you've explained now that your partners are affiliated with this, your sock company, correct? Yeah. So my friend Jason has a company called Dead Soxy. That's D E A D S O X Y. And so I have a partner with him and the sharp gentleman and my clients, we like, we like suits, we like fashion, we like sort of walking in and being a trendsetter. And again, going back to your idea of fine, black suit, but crimson socks, something to really stand out. And so I partnered with him because I thought, well, you've got such a great product and it's guaranteed not to slip or slide off and, and it's got a little bit of midfoot compression. It, they're amazing. And so I'm trying to just get people to understand that you can start at your base layer, just your socks. And when they're no longer bugging you and they don't slide down and they don't slip off and they feel good and they, moist, they wick away moisture, you feel like, well, I don't have to worry about that. Now I can focus on other stuff. And if you're wearing like, oh, I got a $2,000 suit and I have $5 Kohl's socks sliding down my ankles every day. Oh, no, no, you only get so far. You, you almost had it right. So let's, 
let's prevent that from happening and get you some socks that will make you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I love, I'm going to reframe that for just a moment. When we talk about the jean side of things, I think, you know, everybody that's listening, I would assume every, every one of us has a pair of jeans in our closet that again, maybe some of you are now intrigued about tailoring the jeans. I've started, you know, not started, but for the past three or four years, I've tailored my jeans. And what I find is I can take an inexpensive pair of jeans, get them tailored. And if I put a crazy pair of socks with them, like that, that bold, fun sock that when I'm walking, you know, depending on the stride that I take, or if I sit down and I cross my legs, you see the sock. Like I feel better about the quality of jeans that I'm wearing. It's almost like it over overcompensates for the lack of money I spend on the jeans or the fact that I don't feel like throwing on $400 jeans or destroying them with what I'm doing. But I can yeah. throw on a $10 or $15 pair of socks and just it's fun and it's exciting. It's a conversation starter. Like how, so many people will come up, especially, you know, you're sitting, let's say on a bar stool and you're, you're by the nature of that, your pant leg is elevated and they yeah. see the sock because it stands out a little bit. It's just like, it's the easiest, like to me, that's a better calling card than an actual business card. Like I'm okay being the guy with the crazy socks, the fun socks, the adventurous socks. So yeah. it doesn't have to be only if you're in that, you know, professional environment. If you don't have a couple of just fun, enjoyable, now non-slip moisture wicking socks, you got to have a couple pair. Like, you got to have some. And what's really cool is that, uh, so a lot of the clients that we work with together are corporate guys, really high-end financial corporate guys, and they're very buttoned up. Three-piece suits, perfect dimples. I mean, it is, it is military grade where everything is checked. Mm -hmm. And they're awesome. And they use these colorful socks as secret weapons. It's their only way outside of the system. So they have these beautiful, beautiful Canali suits and, and the pocket squares and everything is just so perfect. And then they have these socks and they're like, this is the thing that I can't get in trouble for because it's just socks, but look at these socks. And they just show them and they're the stripes and polka dots. And it just makes them feel like this is my way to rebel in a room full of suits. And I don't want to rebel against the suits because we're all doing great, but this is my, this is my siren song down here, you know? Yeah. And so th that side again, Blake, just make sure everybody hears it is dead S O X Y D E A D S O X Y right. Dead com. Dot com. Great. Yeah. And so what, what's cool about that is that, uh, cause I know you've got a lot of listeners and I always like to give something away and I know not everybody likes that, but you know what? Why not? So, uh, with our setup is if you go to deadsoxy.com, order whatever you want. If you use the, the promo code one sharp gent, and that's all spelled out. So it's O N E sharp gent, uh, that'll give you 25% off and free shipping, no matter what you get all across the board. Um, and there's lots of things on sale and there's lots of stuff coming out. So yeah, anything I can do to help you, up your game at your ankle level will, will definitely help us all, you know? Well, I know I appreciate that. I'm going to, it sounds cheesy. It's, I mean, it's a plug in itself, but as soon as we get done here, I'm going to shop because I can't help myself but buy socks all the time. I'd rather support, you know, a, a fellow haberdasher, if you will, and someone that has a mission and a passion. So I appreciate the offer. If, if no one else takes you up on it, I know I certainly will. So, so thank you for that, Blake. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Then with that being said, it wouldn't be 15 Minutes of Freedom without sharing one of those, I don't call them gray stories, but some of the things that are inside of us that we're not necessarily proud to share, but there's something attached to it. There's a story, there's a meaning, there's a way that you've adjusted your life based off of this life event. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know how it's structured. Again, I've shared openly for 125 plus episodes now, everything from lying to cheating to anabolic steroid use to failed businesses to truck repossessions to multiple girlfriends. If you can name something, Blake, I'm like the case study for, I think most psychiatrists or psychologists of like all the dumb shit you're not supposed to do from 19 to, to 32. So I'm now married happily, 
stepdaughter, which I call my daughter. I've, I've taken the listeners through this progression of my life. But for that, I want to know if you have a message or a lesson you could share that we can tie in as a you know all encompassing way to button up the episode. Totally. Okay. Really quickly, as most men are, we are heroes. We are just naturally born to solve problems and save the damsel in distress, even when she doesn't want to be saved or she wants to save herself. So we jump in and and we find that when we're being the hero without being asked, we get martyred instead. And we end up trying to save so many people. We stay in relationships that, that don't do any good for us. They don't help us. They don't help us grow or anything. They just keep us back. And so I am so good at that. I am just I am committed to helping see it through and focus and make it better. And so I found myself in a relationship that lasted too long. And the, my, my come to Jesus moment was a slip of the tongue. So in a previous life with my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she went gluten-free and I knew I needed out of the relationship. And the gluten-free makes sense now because we were having an office party and someone was like, oh, these are gluten-free cupcakes. And I said, oh, my ex is gluten-free. And I was not broken up. But that came out of my mouth and I thought, this is, this is my moment. I can't openly refer to someone like that. I can't have that bubble out of me and realize I, I can just go back and pretend like it never happened. So sometimes we are so good at fighting against quantum flirts. We're so good at fighting against the Lord or the universe or whatever, giving you a message and putting it through you as a conduit that here's, here's a truth you needed to hear even though you didn't mean to say it. It's still something you needed to hear and take action. And so from that day, I took action and I decided I'm just going to focus on my work. And I left that relationship. I moved back to my mom's basement. I said, no more. I'm going to just be good at working. And then I met my wife in Texas and I lived in Chicago. And so I just said yes to that. And I said yes to everything else going forward if it felt right. If I had any pause or any hesitation or anything else, I said no. And so I found myself moving. I said I wanted to date her. And 41 days later, she came up to Chicago to visit. Five months later, I moved to Texas. Two years later, we got engaged. A year after that, we got married and we just celebrated two years now. So the takeaway is when, when the truth comes out of you, you have to listen, you have to follow it, you have to do it no matter how much it hurts or how much shame you think you're going to feel or how much you feel you might hurt someone else doing it. You have to do it because the best things in life are on the other side. Wow. Like, I'm in awe. Like normally there's these drawn out stories that have all these twists and turns, but the Freudian slip, if you will, for those of you that know anything about, you know, Sigmund Freud and his, his mindset, this Freudian slip that was the catalyst. And you touch base on a lot of things that I believe in that many of you listeners realize I believe in from meditation to a spiritual oneness to being a conduit essentially for a higher power message. Like these are all ways that I've lived my life now for quite some time where energetically, if something feels right versus wrong, I think the distance is actually GSD Media Group is Get Shit Done Media Group. And I have shirts that are made that are the, the, the magic of any situation comes in between when you think about it starting and when you actually take action. Because the shorter that distance, the more success you're going to find. And so it's literally the same thing that you're saying. So now you're probably the 12th guest on this show that has said something energetically that lines up on that same path. And birds of a feather flock together. Sure, energetically, we're all attracting one another. You know, what you're seeking is also seeking you. Move all that aside, you have at least 12 people that have some level of success that are all encouraging you to consider the same opportunity that if your soul, if your gut, if your heart, whatever you want to refer to it as, not your head, I think our head is meant to carry out what our heart's desires are. You know, we've, we've become too cerebral as a society and we're told we're supposed to use your brain, but no, like stop, figure out whatever your version of God is. Don't care what it is. It doesn't not matter what you believe is God. 
for me, you know, my God, the way that I view him, when he tells me something, act. Just go. Like, immediately. And that's tough. Like, it's not comfortable. More times than not, especially until you get good at it, it tells you to, I call it the voice, because then it makes it super agnostic. When the voice tells me to go left, I used to question it, fight it, do everything I could to not go left. And then eventually you hit a dead end where the only chance you can go anywhere is left, and it's forced into that situation. It's coming where, anyway. Yeah, it's always that going left to. Is coming. Yes. <laughs> so instead now, it says left, and I don't, even, I don't even have to look out the left window or turn on my left turn signal. It's just a sharp cut of the wheel like I'm driving on the 405 in L.A. Like, I'm going that way. It doesn't even matter. And it's so much easier. Like, life is more fun to live because those answers that I think we all seek are literally just on the other side of the left turn. Like, you just can't see around the corner. But when you make the left turn, drive for just a little bit, you're there. Like, the answers keep coming. What a great story. Like, to go from slipping about my ex is gluten-free to married happily, moving across the country, going from cold, snowy Chicago to rather warm and arid Dallas, you know, it's, um, I love it. I mean, I, I appreciate the story. And as, as we do on every part of the, at the end of every episode, I tie it into people's body and how it can affect their body, how can it affect their relationship or how it could affect their business. And I think it's all encompassing in this, the quicker that you can take action on that voice, that internal guidance system that comes from a higher power, whatever you believe in, whether it's needing to exit a relationship very quickly or ask the girl out or the guy out that, you know, it's been tugging at you to, to strike up a conversation, go strike up the conversation. If it's in business that you've been told, you know, something inside of you is calling yourself to take up custom clothing, but you've worked in corporate America forever and it's safe and it's easy and it's static and you know, your bills can get paid and you have no idea how you're going to make money as a, as a haberdasher because it's a hundred percent commission based and you're just scared shitless. Take that left turn and go like it will work out. It always does. Same thing in the body. Like for me, I'm shifting gears and starting to move down the path of being a triath- triathlete and Ironman. You know, and admittedly, God told me to go. Like the voice told me to go. I've, I used to be a bodybuilder and anabolic user and all this crazy stuff. Like it's the polar opposite of any way that I've ever trained before in my life. But I'm starting to go down that path. I don't know why, but I'm going. So much like that in your life, if you're told to go train some way or focus on a different diet or you want to go vegan or I don't, it doesn't matter what the things are. Listen and go. Don't question it. No, and I think what's hard for you especially is that you coming from, from bodybuilding and anabolic and just, just general lifting to hear that voice go, cardio. And you're like, <laughs> no. You just fight it as much as you can. It just keeps getting louder. Cardio. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it, man. As I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm at the gym working out this morning, lifting weights, leg day. Fun day for me, but what, put that aside. And as I'm on the leg extension machine, right in front of me is a row of treadmills. And there's a woman that from the time I got in there and was stretching till the time I'm finishing up my workout has been running in place, profusely sweating, but you can tell she's got triathlete shoes on. She's got her ankles taped. She's got her knees taped with rock tape. Like I know that she's a distance runner of some capacity. And I'm like, man, how, how many more signs do I need at the fact of I have to do that versus what I'm doing right now? Like it's, yeah, it's coming everywhere consistently. So it's just case in point. It's my own life. Like you said, it's the, it's the cardio God calling me and saying it's time to go. And I, I don't have any interest. It's time to make a left. Yeah, it is. So, Blake, I sincerely appreciate your time. and I love spending time and space with you and, and sharing all these gems that you've shared with us. Like, I, I couldn't be more appreciative of the luggage versus baggage and naming your emotions and being able to associate with them. Like, man, I just love it. Like, thank you so much <laughs> for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I mean, 
it's just always good to connect with like-minded people. And I think it's so funny that, you know, my wife knows you because she follows you on social media. And I said, yeah, I just got off the phone with, with Ryan Nidell. And she's like, what? How do you? I said, no, oh, it's a long story. So at some point in time, she'll probably jump on and say hello. But yeah, it was, it's just wonderful to connect with people who are trying to attack life from a different place, from a place of we are all capable, we are all powerful. Let's just start putting our hearts together and putting the right ideas in place and doing it instead of just fighting against the, the madness. We can do this if we just do it right. Yes, absolutely. So Blake, with that, I end up every episode with the same thing that encourages listeners to get shit done. <laughs>